everybody wants to grow in the beginning. And then at some point they're like, no, 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 I'm good. There's like too much growth. That's where partnerships kind of shift around, but helping them getting to where they want to be and helping investors reaching financial independence to live the life that they desire. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I'm your host, Yona Weiss, as always. And with me today is the wonderful Alisa Zhang. Wonderful to have you on the show. Great to be here. Finally, let's just get into this. How are you doing today? Good. Doing good, Yona. It's great to be on your show. Finally, I got invited. I was waiting for my invite. <laughs> <laughs> now I made it. Now you know you've made it. Yeah, I'm slow to get the invites on, although we have you know had over 250 episodes or so. Still a huge list of people I want to bring on. So it's just, you know, one by one, we'll get them all done one of these days. Awesome. Okay, so for you guys who don't know who Lisa is, she is the founder of EZ, right? That's her initials, right? Lisa Zhang, yes. right? EZ Real Estate and the EZFI University, which is the financial independence that you put out a lot of content for your community and just sharing about financial independence, about real estate investing, and so many things. Tell us a little bit about you know, where you got started, because I know you were in the tech industry for a while and then left. I don't want to spoil the story, but you, you basically left your W-2 because the tax savings of real estate were so amazing, right? <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> Obviously, uh, used a lot of yield service and definitely helped me with some taxes, but not the primary goal for quitting my job. So I started in IT. I worked for a Fortune 500 uh, company in the Northwest. There used to be only one, so you know who that is. And then now there's many. So basically, you know, I was really excited actually graduating out of college, being able to get a stable job because my dad is an engineer. So if you're an Asian person, then you are basically, you made it if you're engineer, doctor, or lawyer. So we chose the engineer path. I chose the engineer path. I say we, it's in fact, it's me and my dad decided that was where we're going. So, you know, life was good. And I was in the information sector. I was a computer engineer out of Waterloo. I've already worked a few jobs. So I know exactly what I wanted to do, which is to be on the more creative side of creating products, being the product manager versus coding. So that was kind of like where I kind of started. And, you know, first couple of years was really fun. There's a lot of new stuff to learn until I kind of hit a mid-career. I know myself being in the IT I wasn't really passionate about technology, which is kind of weird, right? That should be a telltale sign. Maybe not lasting very long in this industry. So I think when your passion is not aligned with it, your body kind of knows there's a misalignment and that you just know when you're climbing corporation ladder, at some point you kind of reach to a limit. That's when you're banging your head, you know, going to a different organization, you can go through a certain bend. So that's kind of where I was going to senior bent of our organization, like the right. roles I was in. A lot of requirements on large corporations, you play a lot of politics. Politics is required. You have to play it very well in order to get your idea, you know, negotiated. Very opposite to the entrepreneur mindset. 
Right. Or you thought about something, let's go do it. Right. You take full responsibility if you went bankrupt. But in this case, you know, I was in a position working with a couple of different VPs for a simple splash page for some big product. And then there's just political discussion. There's no logics behind it. You know, at that point, I'm like, well, I'm not really making an impact to the customer, making an impact, which is something that I was really excited doing when I first started a job. Instead, I was spending 80% of my time playing politics. Wow. So at the same time, and 2009 hit, that's kind of before that breaking point. You know, when 2009 hit, the market's really good. 2008, market was really great. So we bought some single family home without learning anything, made some mistakes, but market was great. So, you know, it was, we're fortunate. We made these decision, purchase decisions in a great market cycle, and then was able to make profit either way. So real estate pretty forgiving if you bought it at the right time. And, you know, so basically we had single family. We weren't paying attention to it, you know, until 2015, where like multiple things kind of stack up, you know, between the job hitting kind of, I feel it's like a dead, dead end, at least on a corporation ladder, you're just going to go you know, lateral mover, what they call it. And also, you know, I had my first, I was pregnant with my first child. And then, so that creates a motivation and a renewed motivation in my life. Right. When you have motivation, people always ask me to like, how do you find time to do all this stuff? I'm like, I don't know. Like sometimes we sleep, sleep five hours, <laughs> right? But it's the motivation behind, you know, your why is right. really important at that time. That was my why. I was commuting three hours a day to work back and forth. And I don't even see my kid for two hours. So it just doesn't make sense. So I looked up on internet, how to create your job through basically how to create your job through real estate investing. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. So that's kind of like what happened. I literally Googled it and then I put a pocket came up on. So basically, you know, like when you had that motivation, you had the work ethics and then now working 60 hours, 80 hours a week, including your W2 job is somehow sustainable. And then somehow you find ways to make more time to do what's important for you. So I kind of straddled on the W-2 and the real estate investing, you know, get myself educated, you know, going from local meetups to national meetups to like national conferences, and then commit myself to some pretty high ticket guru programs, right? Mm -hmm. Multiple of them. And then just kind of learning from coaching, from mentors, how to get there, meet people. So I think that's a massive shift. You know, meanwhile, in my W-2 job, it kind of grows linearly. And then I also hit a wall in my work. And then so in 2016, 17, I moved it to a company that is only, you know, 10 minutes drive away from where I live. Okay. So shifted, decided that, that you know, now you're live, you work to live, not live to work. Per se, if that kind of makes sense and shifting your mindset yeah. and look what's really important in your life. So we started from small fourplexes. Thanks for all the silly mistakes we made on our single family home, buying you know stuff with 15-year mortgages. We had a lot of equity. So we used the that and the 1030-way exchange in fourplexes, self-managed that, self-renovated it, and got into then commercial, you know, small commercial, 12 unit, 10 units here. Then once we went outside of you know, the state, we went to syndication route because right. we were told we got to buy bigger properties. So that's when we went. And then we participated, we passively invested first, and then we participated as a team, you know, brought 
value right. to the team, owning a small piece of pie, and then eventually, due to this and that reason, you know, we become the main syndicator, right. our asset managers. For now, we have almost three thousand units, three thousand five hundred if you count our Dallas portfolio in Texas and the Arizona market, Phoenix market specifically. It's really exciting to be growing as a business. You know, that's kind of like what all the pieces I've been yeah. missing. I was born to be an entrepreneur, but thrust into due to the societal norm, right? Like thrust into this corporation ladder climbing. Yeah, I think a lot of people realize that at a certain point. If you're in corporate and if you're in a job and you just feel like there's got to be more to life, and I just don't like the politics and I don't like the grind of just nine to five and not really being inspired by the work you're doing, you probably have that entrepreneurial spirit in you. And it's probably a good idea to, to explore how to use that. And I think what you did through your experience, obviously you took like the path of least resistance, I think, by starting out on your own, a little smaller multifamily, and then go paying and getting involved in those gurus and masterminds, those groups, investing passively, and then moving into a full-time syndication where now you're leading it and now you're coaching others like a yeah. full cycle there. Yeah. And I, I would say the most important pieces when I kind of thinking about it was the commitment piece. And I just had a conversation with one of my employees because person wasn't confident that owning the process of, Hey, we're really new here. You can't count on me to own stuff. I'm like, no, no, you own stuff first and then you figure out what to do. And that's a different mindset than, you know, corporations like you learn, you know, success, success was not your responsibility until you were successfully set up. Right. So as entrepreneurs, you know, Dan Sullivan said this best is that you commit first. You have no idea how to do the stuff. You set a go, you commit to it, and then you figure out the rest. And then I think that that's a mindset shift. I say a guru program. I should probably properly name it the coaching programs and mentoring. And that's so huge. It's investing in yourself. Right. And then this is actually a shifting moment over here. The minute I handed over that la large check size for very expensive coaching program, it's actually the minute that I took this seriously. I had a commitment. So it was a commitment to myself. Even if the program didn't teach me anything, well, I think it definitely helped, you know, like the commitment that I spend all these money to invest in my growth, that mindset, you're going to be successful when you make that mindset. Right. That's a yeah. decision you make. You're like, I need now I'm committed. Now I need to do it. Sometimes you need that, that own right. push from yourself. Yeah. I, I mean, that being said, I don't think, and you could probably attest to this more than I can, is that not everyone that goes through those groups really do take on that initiative and follow no. through. So, yeah. meaning it says more about you than it does, you know, the act of just investing and into the group. Yeah. They probably be, should be charged more tuitions. So like make it hurt. Right. And then <laughs> you're committed because you like, I already spent all that money. It's not coming back. Gonna make that much money. Right. Maybe too much. I still honestly don't think that it would, you know, the results would be any more. I think it really has a lot to do with the right. person and their own resolve. And yeah, that absolutely. Yeah. I think commitment first. And, you know, even the later on, it's kind of funny later on in your life, you walk through, like you read some books and then they talked about framework of thinking, et cetera. You like went back, you're like, do you ever do that? Like when you analyze your past behaviors mm -hmm. and all that stuff, you're like, in this podcast right now, I just realized is the, the amount that I paid was my commitment to myself. And thus falling to the framework of a commit first as entrepreneur, yeah. instead of worry about capability and confidence. Yeah. For sure. hundred percent. 
So now that you have committed to that, and this is already many years in the making, you mentioned over 3,000 units. You guys are owning, managing, operating, and that's a business. I mean, you're running your own business as an entrepreneur. That can be come with its own challenges. I mean, how do you balance that? And you know, being a mom and spending time with your family, and you know, making sure that everything is running smoothly. Yeah. So I would kind of let in everybody's a little dirty secret is that entrepreneurs like us, who is committed to massive growth you're not going to have your traditional work-life that balance. A balance is only matters if it was okay with you and if it was okay with your surrounding. There are sacrifices to be made. Specific, I think Elon Musk talked, he's a little extreme. He's like family and, you know, I think something he said, it was like family comes second. It was like a work first or something. And that's my balance, right? Like something like that. I don't know, exact tweet that, that he puts out there. So for me, you know, the balance is really about the quality of time that you spent with them. And then the human touch, and they know that you're there. I would say sometimes, you know, for the longest time, I do have mom guilt because the building business was exciting for me. In 2019, when I quit my job, like that is truly to a moment where I think our, you know, incomes and whatnot is replacing, we were okay. We can move, we can simply move to somewhere in Thailand, Mexico, wherever you want to do, and then not worry about the rest of my life. But that was empty for me. That was never to go. So for a period of time when you reach FI and I have people reach out to me about that too, you're going to go through a mourning period. And then I went through a whole thought process of what it really matters. What is my mission in life? What it really matters to me? Someone described this best. I didn't come up with this concept, but it was very well concisely put, hey, there's a Maslow triangle. If everybody kind of heard about that, it's basically this uh, idea about where you are in life and then what you need it in different stages of your life and then kind of the wealth gaps and whatnot. So the bottom of that cycle is what's needed is food, shelter, all the basic needs. This is what we provide to our tenants. Right. And then the, the second part of it is, you know, once you have your basic needs met, then you can think about education. Then you can think about rules, morals, and all that sort of stuff. And also you're stable. So one level from there, you're stable. Then you start thinking about these ideas and whatnot. So the ideas make you think that you need to go, you know, have your own freedom. Like first is freedom of money. So then now you can do it. But freedom of money is never bring joy to people. It's what's coming with that freedom of money is your freedom of time right. is what that really matter. Cause now you can spend time wherever you want, flexibly you want. And if right. me, it takes pressure off those things that, you know. Yeah. And then for me, that's that balance. So you talk about work-life balance and coming back to it is that flexibility of when I want to spend time to, and the freedom of choice. Like if I don't want to be on this podcast, then I just say, Yona, let's schedule, reschedule. We don't need to do that. Or if I don't want to work tomorrow, I can just tell everybody I'm taking a day off, right? So to recharge. So I could have that free and choice. So I choose to be there. So the opposite of that is I choose to be there. I choose to be working really hard on my mission. One level beyond the freedom of choice is impact to others. So you see a lot of wealthy, super uber wealthy people. They don't need another business. They don't need to do a lot of stuff, but they get into coaching, they get into mentoring, they get into, you know, masterminds, and then they bring value to other people. Everyone has something that they need to fulfill, right? right? So 
a lot of people, when you get to that point, yes, you don't need money at a certain point. You don't, but if you have that gap that you need to fill where you're like giving back in a certain way, I think that's why people get into that. They feel like they want to pay it forward or, you know, give back what they've learned. Yeah. So absolutely. So for me, you know, the work-life balance is really about the freedom of choice. And then I would say, you know, some week I will work super hard, but we can also decide to go to Europe for two months if we want to, if we figure out a system and system is another piece over here that allows you to do so. So a lot of people think entrepreneurs really cool. You can actually reach freedom of choice, even when you're working W2. So I would encourage our listener to like really not looking at the, oh, I want to retire, but really explore about what does that lifestyle look like when you retire? And then some of these things you can implement today and some of these value you can implement today because it's really easy and almost lazy for human beings to say, oh, in some days in the future, I can do this. I wish I can do this. Or at some point, like I just not financially free yes to have a job that's almost an excuse to yourself like did you know what that looked like can you map it backwards and then actively look for jobs that will support your lifestyle that you desired and then you could be a lot happier like thinking back i think it's a blessing that my job was so boring that the fact that i couldn't get to the next level so forces me to find other paths right i wouldn't be here if I knew what I knew now and then went back and restructured my work, found a job that is you know, remote and all that stuff, maybe still doing the work because there was no incentive then to reach financial independence, which was very vague for me. You know, it's just this concept of the freedom and that was not exactly mapped out. So long-winded answer to your question. I don't know if I addressed it. But for me, it was a balance. And also as an entrepreneur, I really like the idea about chunking things. So mm-hmm. if I'm spending time with my family, it's like, okay, Saturday, Saturday is a free day. Saturday, like we all just do stuff. You can't reach me. I don't answer my text. I don't answer my stuff. I treat my text as my emails, by the way. So people will text me like, I haven't got a back from you for like two days. I'm like, well, if it's important, I'll call you. You know, know, I'll get back to you at some point. So that's kind of that freedom. So I feel like it's balanced, but outside person look in, they may say that it's not balanced because there are weeks, you know, since two weeks ago, I've been on the road. I'm actually flying to Chicago after this interview oh, wow. you know we just wrapped up one of the biggest event appearance we have we were on stages with you know kenny from mc leon k McRoy and robert like it was really exciting stuff and then before we were touring the property so i basically been traveling for two weeks end to end i feel a little tired that's probably the limit i can push to <laughs> and also i didn't right. get to see my kids a lot but this saturday and sunday we are going to and next week we're flying to europe so there's a lot of time with that so it's kind of chunking and then somehow find a balance on that Yeah, that's great. But again, it goes to your point when you have that freedom, that financial freedom, that time freedom, and then setting those systems up, you allow yourself to do exactly that. Like, okay, I'm going to take off for a month or two months or whatever. Like, that's it. And things can still function because you've set up those systems in place. And I think having a lot of that passive income as well through real estate certainly helps because you no no longer have to worry about the bills getting paid and, and things like that. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the right people that helps you run your company, you know, yeah. a lot of investors always ask, they're like, Hey, you're a single owner, you're a single owner on the asset. Like what happens if something happened to you? Well, we set up our whole system. So the property can still wrong, 
you know, without yeah. Lisa, the thing still runs. So you're in much better hand, you know, like if that ever to happen. Yes. That's pretty cool. And at what point did you decide that you want to start teaching about the financial independence as well? Because that's something you're very passionate about, clearly. Yeah. So COVID. So during COVID, it was that kind of funny in 2019, after meticulously planning for my exit from my <laughs> W-2 job, because at that time, our business you know, it's already kind of half taken over the, basically the cash flows, the all that stuff, the build, business is built and we could walk away from my W-2. So in November, I quit. And in March, the thing called a COVID hit. So, you know, I didn't have like a lot of time to think about things. And then you also don't get to go to events, conferences, events and conferences keeps you busy. I think you need to have objective going to them. So, you know, like, like all of a sudden you got nothing to do. Right. Yeah. So it was always my goal to basically, you know, teaching people, you know, financial literacy is always something that I was really passionate about. So it was always my goal to create some education things to teach people financial literacy. Cause you know, the rich dad, poor dad literature gives me a lot of impression on that. So I feel like I could do more to give back. But it was always a somewhat a philanthropy type adventure so I set the goal to be five years to be very arbitrary. And then at that moment, when you sit around your desk during COVID, there's nothing else to do. You can't go anywhere. You're supposed to be in lockdown everywhere. Then you're like, what to do? That's where I realized I'm like, there's a lot of reachability through online at that moment because everybody's craving still information and actual other. So why not now? I mean, during property tours to go to because it's COVID lockdown, we're not flying, <laughs> you know, all that sort of stuff. So that's when we started the education piece because it's like, why not now that your goals that you set in the future for no good reason, they can't just fall on your lap at that moment. So that's kind of when we started doing that. We started with, you know, with IT background, we always talk about MVP, which is a minimal viable product. You put it out there, test it, and then revamp it, check it, and then, you know, produce better product. So I just started a beta mastermind group and then put it out there. I thought I was like, oh, this thing is going to be a huge hit because I have all these investors that all be interested in learning. Huge mistake. People who are passive investors, they're passive for a reason. So if you force them to go through a course, they actually have to spend some time in intensive learning. They don't like that. So <laughs> it was a very interesting thing. But I did end up with a group of intimate people, about 20, 30 folks or so, I created an online community, a paid online community, so where people are paid to be there. And then we went through the beta programs that I want to go through. So essentially, I had this vision of creating different courses. I don't know how to, what segment to kind of dissect it, how do you divide it, what modules and all the other stuff. And then what's the format of an interaction, right? So we just kind of really, you know, created a beta group with all people in the standards of beta, and then we kind of tested it out. So the result is that it was really great. You know, we actually hired a few folks from that group because, you know, they obviously take what I teach in terms of mindset and also just the financial education piece, but also the mindset is a big thing. And they totally fit our value, you know, core values as employees. So some of them quit their W-2 jobs and can work for us, you know, and then we see impact to every single person who participated in terms of success. Someone has quit their job. 
someone has figured out how to live their lifestyle the way that they want it and shifted their asset and created that. So it was a really great folks, but we had to ramp it down because from that learning, we have now distilled down to multiple different courses, which we are going to start releasing. This first one is going to be towards more the fall this year, courses on passive investing, how to learn. And our philosophy is do something. And like learn something and do something, learn something and do something, you know, just like my computer engineering background, I study in Waterloo. Waterloo is famous for the co-op program. So you learn for four months, you go work for four months, learn four months. That was super effective in terms of practicing what you learn. So we're going to be having modules packed up in that format for people. And we're going to create online cohorts. So people have, you know, accountability, basically partners. Very cool. So anyway, so that's the transition of the education piece. And we envision that help people who has different goals in life, especially with multifamily investing, allowing them to reach their goals into that kind of format and creating a whole comprehensive series of courses that help them get to where they need to. Yeah. And I love that, you know, one of the biggest goals and, you know, accomplishments that you can have is when someone quits their job. Right. It's like, you know, it sounds kind of funny, but the truth is like, that's amazing because you've given someone the education and the foundations that they can, you know, they have the skills or the ability to go into real estate or go into their financial independence on their own without having to suffer going through that corporate ladder that so many people suffer with. So I do want to transition now because time flies over here into what we call the final four. Alisa, these are four yeah. questions I ask all my guests. First question to you is, what's the worst job that you ever had? Probably Pizza Hut. That was my first job ever. It's a high stress, yeah. repetitive work, but it feels rewarding because yeah. everybody's kind of in this together, you know? So that was probably the worst job. <laughs> Just how greasy it is, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. You're actually the second person in the past couple of weeks that's, that said they worked at Pizza Hut and that was a bad job. So. <laughs> I love the pizza people you I worked kids out there with. Listening. I love the, at the time, it seems a lot of money that came in, but it feels greasy after, literally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hear that. That's pretty gross. Okay. <laughs> second question. What's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? I think Who Not How. Can I do two books? Yes. Who Not How and The uh, Go-Giver. So these two are great. Who Not How is a Dan Sullivan's book. Mm-hmm. And it talks mm-hmm. about, it's a, just a title, Who Not How. Find the who, not like focus on the how. Right. That really right. gave me a paradigm shift. We grew from a two person, maybe three contractor from last and the, the year to 15 people employees today. Wow. And then wow. Uh, we're in three months, we're likely going to be a, a hundred people employee company. So that's that Who Not How mentality really help you exponentially grow yourself. Wow. A hundred people working for you. That's incredible. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, you know, absolutely going from a couple of years ago to not having any employees, right? (laughs) Right. Yourself doing everything right to where that is. So that's amazing paradigm shift. And then go giver. I kid you not. I took the go giver and it really took it to hard, you know, acquisition piece was also always really hard. I had multiple partnerships other people was doing acquisitions, you know, that's why people are like, where are you? What's your marketing, right? Like my, no, no, I leverage my partner doing that. And I do like the operation. I do like the raise money, like all that pieces, right? But at some point due to one incident or the other, you know, my acquisition guy was gone. My partner was gone. So I have to do it. That was really difficult. So 
the Go Giver book has given me a lot of tools in order to build that relationships. It's really simple. It's about Go Giver. Love these books. And now I see a pattern now, right? Great books and great titles. It's just straightforward. Exactly. So starting with how much value you can give it to other people, what can you do for them? But not just asking them, what can you do for them? You observe, you truly approach a sales approach, building relationship approach from the go-giver mindset. You're going to build a lot of deeper relationships. And these helps with acquisition. Mm -hmm. I always thought, you know, I don't like talking to broker because it's so transactional, but it's because I made it transactional. You know, if I approach the Elisa's way, that's going to be your unique mm-hmm. approach. And that's the go-giver way to approach it. And that's how we build really solid relationships with our broker. They all got our back on that. That's awesome. And that's when the acquisition just kind of start going, right? Yeah. Very cool. Two amazing books. So we'll definitely put that in the show notes. If anyone wants to check out Who Not How and The Go-Giver. Thank you for, for those. And it sounds like, I mean, you're not only reading them, but putting them into practice in a huge way. So yeah. that's really what it's all about. Third question, what's a skill or talent that you would like to learn? Skill. I, I jokingly said time travel, really time travel. You go back and tell yourself like what like start earlier, you know, start earlier. Your 20s yeah. are kind of like a floundering. I don't know how many do 20. I don't know what you were doing 20. You're probably doing some amazing things, but most people are just like, wow, my 20 was a waste of time. Should party less than get on this stuff earlier. That's why it's really yeah. excited to have 20 year, like 20 some young people when you meet them. That would be a skill set I have. I'm pretty content with the other skill sets and just not enough time to learn them, I guess. Public speaking may be something that I would have seriously thinking about training myself to, you know, it's a lot mm-hmm. of awkward to do that, especially on stage presence, et cetera. So public speaking will probably be the next skill set. That's a great um, idea. Yeah. It's an excellent one. Everyone always needs work on that, no matter how long you've been doing it. Refining those skills are very important. Well, fourth and final question, what does success mean to you? I think success at my current stage of life is how much life you can impact. Our company mission is to up-level everybody around us for a better quality of life. And this goes to the residents community we manage. This goes to the employees that we hire. We try the best to have, there's certain position cannot be remote, but we're trying to implement the best work anywhere, work anytime you want to policy to our company. So our company has the policies. And so I see my employees flourishing in these remote work scenarios and be able to contribute, but still collaborate, very comfortable using these tools doing that and have flexible time. If they wanted some time off, they just take some time off, you know, just get your approval. So that's impacting employee, impacting the vendors and partners that we work with, taking them to the next level. You know, but there's also be careful though. Like there's also certain levels where you're like, I'm good over here. So that's when you're choosing partners. Like everybody wants to grow in the beginning. And then at some point they're like, no, 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 I'm good. There's like too much growth. Then, you know, that's where partnerships kind of shift around. Right. But helping them getting to where they want to be and helping investors reaching financial independence to live the life that they desire. That's huge impact to that and helping our tenants last but most importantly, helping our tenants to have a better quality of life. We are actually currently creating a foundation that will help basically fund the community events and et cetera. We want to oh, implement cool. at our community. And then 
bring some people like you and etc. to our community to kind of teach them a little bit more about financial literacy, right? Help them, you know, buy a couple copies of cash flow games and make every kids play their cash flow games and this and that. So these are kind of all in the place so that in the future 10 years down the line, someone like a big name person was getting interviewed. If they asked them a question about what was a pivotal things that change your life trajectory, they can say, well, I recall back to the U apartments that we used to live at. And then they were giving these courses and that's where I made a connection. and made a difference in my life. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's kind of my current thing. There you go. Ever end and go. <laughs> that's amazing. No, I think that's really important. All those different levels of success and how you're impacting everyone in your surroundings, right? In your circle of influence. And I think the great, you know, the bigger you grow your business and company, the more people you can have influence on and for a positive way. So amazing, amazing, amazing. As always, love this interview. Love hearing about all this stuff, at least. Where can our listeners find you or reach out to you? Obviously, in the next few months in Europe, they'll find you, but where can they reach out to you? Hey, if you're in Portugal and uh, Italy, there's a Kaigo concert in Zurich, I'll be there. <laughs> I'm not affiliated. We're not sponsored by Kaigo. Yeah, so people can find me at easyfiuniversity.com. So easy, my name, easy, F-I, that's for financial independence, university is spelled out, .com. We have tons of blog contents over there. And we also trying to promote our YouTube video. It's been a very, very hard thing to do. So we're appreciated if you go to our YouTube channel and subscribe awesome. to our content. Really thankful for that. And that's Alisa Zen. Just look me up. You're going to see my face without the blue hair. And that's Alisa Zen and Bracket EZFI University over there. We are rebranding our company to be more inclusive. So in the next couple of weeks or in the next month or so, we'll have a new website called AmplitudeEquity.com for oh, investment cool. side of things. So we're rebranding that. You can't just have my name being company. That's not okay. inclusive, right? So, no, <laughs> so we are rebranding. But EZFIUniversity.com is where a listener can learn tons of financial literacy related blog mindset type of thing. Just very holistic approach to, you know, being on your journey to FI. Yeah. Very good. Awesome. And love the rebranding. I think it's a great name and good luck with that. Hope everything works out for the best. And thank you again for joining me. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate the time. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Yona. My pleasure. And thanks to our listeners for joining us all the way to the end. Once again, remember the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn. Send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.